Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this sermon. You can find all our sermons at our website, holycommunion.net. So after those readings, I just got to go, woo! The story we hear today, just heard, that Reverend Hines so greatly read, of John's gory death feels more like a Good Friday reading than a summer Sunday morning good news proclamation. One of the things about this gospel today that troubles me, one of the things, is how it has been deformed into the manipulative Salome seducing Herod into beheading John. Yes, it's another story that has been used to excuse the man and demean the women. Look more closely. There is no seduction in this story. Instead, it's a scene of Herod, his wife Herodias, and really what is a 12-year-old little girl who's doing a good job performing a dance she's learned in front of Herod's guests. This is a scene of characters playing out their roles within a system. Although, as we shall see, what we would today call a dysfunctional one. There is Herod, who arrested John for his troublemaking, for saying he was breaking God's laws by marrying his brother's sister. Herod, in this story, in Mark's version, uh, is fascinated, intrigued, drawn to what John is preaching and teaching. But he's arrested John to silence him in public because he's, not, he's connecting to some truth he's hearing in John. Herodias, however, trapped in the system of being utterly dependent on being a man's wife, is not intrigued, is probably hating John because she's afraid Herod just might listen to him over her, frightened for her own position. Her survival hangs in the balance just how much Herod will listen to John. She sees her opening to survive in the system of honor. Herod has to follow through on an oath he made to the little girl, the overstatement he made in his enthusiasm and pride in her performance and how good it made him look. In front of all those guests, he can't look bad. His reputation, his honor to keep an oath was at stake. You cannot go back on your word. And though it upset Herod, and it grieved him. He had John killed anyway. I remember when I was in fourth grade having a big debate with a boy about deer hunting. I was adamant that it was wrong to hunt for sport. It was no longer necessary as a food source, and on and on went our argument. And the boy, in the end, justified himself and replied, saying, but I feel sorry for it before I pull the trigger. Oh, these systems have such power to keep us from acting on our conscience, 
or our hearts. For Herod and Herodias, the system was about their survival. Survival, safety, security. It's why we form systems with each other. Every family has a system. Every town, church, even groups of friends. Patterns of behavior are formed in being in these systems. All to bring about a sense of stability. The routines and traditions keep it efficient. We know our place, and we know the place of others. And even though we may feel bad about some of the systems we know are not good for the world or us, we at the same time feel trapped. The other night, my husband and I got to go to a comedy club, and the comedian said, this as part of her routine, said, I saw an Instagram post of a celebrity who shared that she had let her natural gray hair grow out and would no longer color it. This celebrity said, I'm dedicating my hair to our first responders. It's the least I can do. And the comedian said, all right, it's the least you could do. She said, I feel bad about all the sacrifices and risks they are taking. I think I'll let my hair grow gray. That feels better. Of course, there are many who go beyond the least they can do. They actually do something meaningful. Sometimes we're so caught up in a system, we think charity is the answer, and we do feel better when we take charitable action, and it is good to bring charity to the challenges of the world. In one of the mom's groups I worked with a while back, this mother shared how she was coming out of a grocery store with her cart full of food and supplies she just purchased, and she was in a big rush because she was trying to, on her tight schedule, get one more errand in before she picked up her kids. And as she came out, there was a woman with her baby holding a sign asking for help to buy supplies. The mom saw this woman and thought, oh my gosh, this is awful. I'm so lucky. She got all the way to her car, loaded her groceries in there, feeling stressed, irritated, and then she took a big sigh and went back to the woman and asked her, what do you need? The woman answered, diapers. The mom went back in the store, bought diapers and some other items and brought them to the woman. And this mom was not able to do her errand, and she was just a few minutes late picking up her kids. Repent was John's message. Repent. And that literally, literally means to stop. Stop what you're doing and turn around and do something different. Go the other way. Maybe Herod was being charitable in only jailing John in the first place, but when it came to making the change to stop and turn the honor system by going back on his gushy oath, saving his face was more important than John's life. There is charity 
and there is change. See, John had to be silenced because he was about changing the system. John's message, repent, got him imprisoned when Herod's system of honor and control was threatened. His message of repent got him killed. Author Jason Reynolds, the ambassador for young people's literature at the Library of Congress, told Krista Tippett recently in an interview that young people are not yet formed in the system we adults have set up. So of course, they cause us grief. It's like it's their job as young people to challenge the status quo. For instance, he said, you ask a young person, what's the solution to racism? They will tell you, quit being racist. Shortly before I left Burlingame, I was having dinner with some parishioners and this couple, Bill and Martha, they are incredibly generous with their time and money. And we shared stories about the endurance of the pandemic, and they shared how spending months having nightly dinners with their young adult daughters who were home from college, sheltered in place, they found that their daughters were constantly challenging them to see racism in a new way. And then Bill began to notice at work as he went, that the lack of women and the lack of people of color at his large development company and became a member of the diversity and inclusion team at that company. Our conversation was alive with examples he was discovering of all the ways women and people of color had been excluded. And then Martha, his wife, who coordinates a community effort with leaders in business and nonprofits, began to see the ways that certain parts of the county and certain people in the county were being marginalized and began to revamp her own program. They had moved from feeling bad to charity to really changing the systems around them. What if Herod had the courage to short-circuit his system to take the actual step, that extra moment, to actually listen to John and what John was calling him to do. Repent. Stop. To change up the way things were working. Then he wouldn't have felt so bad, been haunted by it, or at least he would have felt bad for the right thing for not honoring a foolish promise. And he would have had his true integrity. He knew John was from God. And perhaps he would have started to make the move from feeling bad to actually becoming a participant in God's system of justice and peace and love. And I wonder, what are your next steps? What are your next turns to see the way things are in the world that are not right, the systems that are deforming God's creation and God's system of love?
What will our next steps be?